I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Elena Schrader. She is the head girls track coach and head boys and girls track coach at Volcano Vista High School here in Albuquerque. They are the recent 5A winners for cross country and state championship in boys and girls. So congratulations, coach. Congratulations, coach. And thanks for joining me. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here and to have an opportunity to talk running in New Mexico. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, my first question is, how did you get into running? Um, so, you know, I, I don't come from a last name or kind of a legacy family in New Mexico running, <laughs> but both of my parents were runners. Um, in fact, my dad, um, I remember him doing the Lalu's trail run when I was a kid, watching him finish. And sometimes it was like nails would be black and going, that's the most <laughs> craziest thing I've ever seen anyone do. And the next thing I know, I'm going up it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My mom also uh, was a runner. In fact, she's completed, I believe, 15 marathons. Wow. Yep. We did traveling for races, including Boston. And Sunday mornings, she would be out for runs, you know, obviously probably hours at a time. And I remember getting in the car with my dad and going, you know, dropping water for her places or meeting her, you know, this was even before power bars were like those bricks. Oh yeah. Like the original power bar Um, and dried fruit, dried papaya. And so I don't know when I really started running, except for I know even as early as preschools, there's pictures of me running. So I I don't know if I just kind of naturally picked it up and did it. I did kind of the youth track circuit a little bit, not too heavy. When I was in middle school, went to the Jesse Owens games, the Hershey games, stuff like that. And then when I was in high school, I ran uh, track and field and cross country at St. Pius. So there you go. Nice. Were you uh, a distance or middle distance when you were doing high school track? Distance. Like probably most young ladies, the 3200 was not really a thrill. (laughs) Um, but I, I did it. I also dabbled in other events because, you know, when you're on a small team, you will do whatever you need to, to kind of pick up points at those district meets and stuff. So there was high jump attempts and hurdle (laughs) attempts because, you know, your legs are long and you can walk over those 300 meter hurdles. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) I dabbled in other things, but no, primarily it was distance running for sure. (laughs) It's always, when I have the kids, they're like, oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. I'm like, okay, sure. go ahead. Yeah, that's my mentality too. We'll work it out. But it's always funny when like the distance kids like, oh, I want to try this. I'm like, you know, you need some leg turnover for that, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're like, I don't want to run the two mile. Well, I mean, if you're good in cross country, there's some correlation there. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> um, 
when you when you finished high school, did you want to continue running in college? I did. Um, you know, I definitely was not strong enough of a runner to be receiving offers from anybody, um, but I did want to try. And so I, I did the walk-on thing for UNM. And I think like a lot of people realized the time commitment, the training and everything is just, it's a lot. And um, it just was not something that was really feasible for me to continue on with. And it, it was good. I took a step away from running for a, you know, a couple of years in general, not in any like serious way, like I'd still go out for runs, but you know, training wise, um, and then picked it back up and really just started enjoying running again without that idea of training for anything too serious. And then next thing I know, I stumbled into coaching. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's funny. Like when I talk to people about like running and taking breaks, like some people like, Oh yeah, I took a break from running and that can mean anything from like, I absolutely didn't run to, oh yeah, I was doing 20 mile runs, but I wasn't like racing or anything. Right. Or, you know, yeah, I was doing the turkey trots and the 4th of July runs, but yeah, I wasn't training for them. (laughs) And I, you know, there is that big difference because even now I still run, but I am not training to race. And there, there definitely is a big difference in, in how that feels and your approach to to what you do and what your exercises and everything else look like for sure. Absolutely. Do you, uh, do you ever jump in the workouts with the kids at all? Yes. Pretty often. Um, long runs for sure. I've gotten to the point where with our boys varsity, I have to ride a bike, anything tempo wise they're doing. Um, none of us are fast enough to keep up with them anymore. (laughs) So I'm on a bike a lot more than I think I ever was before, but long runs and on interval days, sometimes I can with the, like, you know, our, we, we divide our team into levels. And yeah. so the uh, kind of the lower, the beginning runners, I can jump in with them. JV, lower end of our JV boys, lower end of some of the varsity or high JV girls. I can still, I can still hang with them for some repeats. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. We Yeah, we'll kind of break it down in, in those ability-wise. And um, me and my assistant will jump in. And usually not with the varsity boys. He'll attempt it a few times, but I'm like, yeah, I, I can't. I can't yeah. hang with that anymore, at least right now. So, I, you know, I can get the those varsity girls and, mm-hmm. and, and down. And, you know, some of the back end of the varsity boys, just because this year was a little bit rougher but yeah, yeah. <laughs> after well, a year off for some of them <laughs> yeah both me and and my assistant coach Crawley he 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 does the intervals and everything with them as well and he's that same way he can stick with that group but yeah none of us can hang with the varsity boys yeah <laughs> which is good right that's a good problem to have it's <laughs> a good problem to have uh so you said you stumbled into coaching how uh how did that happen i was in my second year of teaching at middle school and the principal came up to me and said, Hey, I heard you're a runner. And I said, yes, I am. And he's, didn't you run in high school 
or something? And I said, yes, I did. And he said, well, we need a track and field coach. Would you like to do it? And I said, um, well, running and track coaching track and field are very different, but sure. And it paid, I think, a whole like $500 for the season. I was going to ask, the, the money in middle school is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, of course, you never... You never do it for the money. Um, and so immediately my first thought was, oh, great. I need to find um, some people who can help me. And I found a friend of mine who was at UNM prior to me, who's now over at Manzano High School, Denise Duran. And I said, you ran at UNM. You ran sprints. I did not. <laughs> How would you like to do this? And she agreed to help me. And then I had another friend who was teaching at the school with me. And I was like, didn't you throw in high school? And he was like, well, yeah, but not like really well. I was like, good enough. Yeah. Good enough. <laughs> it's shot and disc. You'll be fine. Come on over. Help me out. <laughs> you get a whole $500. Right. <laughs> and so um, we, we picked up that middle school team. Um, and grew that program pretty well. I decided that I was enjoying what I did, but I wanted to be, become more knowledgeable. So I uh, went to USATF um, coaching education training and some other coaching trainings and developed myself in those capacities. And after a few years of being at the middle school level, I thought to myself, I would like to do this at a high school level. And the position at Volcano Vista opened up for the girls track and field position and I interviewed for it and got it. So I, that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is serious. <laughs> um, this isn't, you know, not that middle school sports aren't serious, but it's right. a little more laxed in what you're doing. I immediately took the two that were at James Monroe with me over to Volcano Vista and I had some other additional coaches, but brought those two with me. And, you know, the first year, I think I had maybe, maybe 20 to 30 girls on the team total for a track wow. team. So it was pretty small. Um, and the school was pretty new still at that time. It wasn't that old of a school. Um, and then I, you know, I, knowing that I really just had a love for cross country, kind of hanging out, sort of hanging out around the cross country coach and he was also the boys track and field coach. And I was like, I can help you. I can help you. And just, you know, nudged my way in there till I became his assistant coach. <laughs> that's, uh, I, <laughs> uh, that's actually kind of similar, at least as far as the cross country for me, I had gone in at Sandia with, uh, with my buddy, the head coach, uh, Dominic Maestas. Cause he is like, he got the position. He's like, I need a distance coach. I'm like, yeah, sure. That'll be fun. And same kind of preferred cross country. So started spending some time with Coach Mambadic, who was the boys coach at that time. And was like, hey, do you need any help for for cross country? He's like, oh, yeah, come, come. Yeah, <laughs> Got to nudge your way in there somehow, right? Exactly. Because, I mean, I, I love track. I mean, I enjoy track. I wouldn't say necessarily love it. I enjoy <laughs> track. <laughs> But it is just a whole, I can't even imagine being, being the head coach, you know, it, there's just yeah. so much. We, we do, the other coaches at the school sometimes like to make fun of me that I'm the only one who's crazy enough to be the head coach of two different sports. 
And I say, well, you know, you could count boys and girls cross country as two and then add track and field and just say I do three. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is, it's, you know, I really love, I really do love a track and field. I think I am a rare cross country coach and that I do, I love it, but it is, it's, it's a really different type of coaching environment across the board. Right. Um, whether it's just the organization, as you know, from your different events to middle school meets that we help host right. when JV meets are, as opposed to everyone just races on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. Right. It, it, so it is very different, but I absolutely love it. Um, and then, so when coach Gilmore, who was the head coach at Volcano Vista, um, he left teaching and I became the head coach. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was an exciting move. I was really excited. I was, that was when I was like, I felt a little more confident in my coaching abilities. You know, when I first became the track and field coach, it was one of those like, whew, might be in a little over my head. I was a lot more confident in my coaching abilities. I was teaching at the school, so I felt a good rapport and, and, you know, part of the community. And so that was making a big difference. And I had been coaching uh, with club teams in cross country as well. So I kind of felt like a little more secure in what I was doing. So it was right. a good move for me. <laughs> well, that's and good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most important part. <laughs> Yep. Well, and track is so different. Like, I'm assuming, do you still just mostly focus with your distance girls during track or are you working with the sprinters too? I actually do work with all of them. Um, it, it does take a time management aspect away from it. So one of the assistant coaches, Dan Landis, he helps me in the spring and we actually take the approach of training our track and field programs together for boys and girls across all of the different events. Nice. So I have a pretty similar group in the spring to my cross country group. We do have a few girls who drop down more to the sprint and they like the 400, but most of the boys stay true to that, you know, eight, 16, 32. Right. So it's, I have a lot of the same group in the spring that I spend most of my time with, but I do, I'm out there pretty much with every group. I try to understand pole vault better, <laughs> but I don't succeed very well, yeah. <laughs> but I always go over and hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. And we, we only usually get like one or two a year. So like half the time they're traveling to wherever the coach is at because yeah he'll go to aldo some days and del norte and up with that like so mm -hmm. like they're traveling and so it's like oh you guys are here i forgot we had pole vault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah having a pole vault coach is it's a pretty unique thing to be able to have one that's on campus and i mean we actually have a pretty hefty amount of pole vaulters for our school so i say that and then i look over at some of the other programs that have like 20 pole vaulters and i'm like right. just kidding <laughs> I thought I had a lot. <laughs> I just, the size of some programs amaze me. Yeah. Um, just in, you know, recruiting and just obviously legacy and all of that stuff. But it is, it's always, um, it's kind of crazy. Even this year, I mean, everybody's numbers were down and there were still some teams with, you yeah. know, quite a bit. Yeah, um, we were, we were down about 20 to 30 from what we normally do. So we were big, but we were still down in our numbers. And I remember talking to um, Adam Kedge and he said he was about the same, down about the same amount. And, you know, he usually has 
okay. ar- his army right. out there. <laughs> right. And well, I always joked because I, I grew up up north and so it was always Los Alamos. Like they oh, would yeah. just come with like, felt like three buses sometimes just full of kids yeah. just coming off. And once I started with this and saw Cleveland, I'm like, oh, <laughs> they're like yeah. the Los Alamos of the big schools. They are indeed. Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> so, you know, you talked about feeling comfortable when you took over with the with the cross country stuff. How long did it make? How long did it take you to feel comfortable with high school track? Probably by that third season, I was feeling comfortable, and I think that just taking the opportunity to enroll myself in some education courses really made a big difference for me, and. At that point, like I said, my daughter, my younger daughter, at least, has started doing club track. So I was just being introduced and meeting people who had some experiences in those areas and those events that I wasn't so sure about. And so just meeting people and hearing their different approaches to the different events um, and figuring out what worked best for not just me, but my program and taking a little bit from everybody just kind of made me feel a lot more confident because there was that even though you know I had done middle school and I had learned a little bit about stuff you you know your first of all your events are much more limited block work stuff like that is just not in in the (laughs) car so when you get you know to high school and there's you know the 19 events and then all the just little tiny technical things that you deal with on a much broader level so it just took a little bit of time, but I, I really do think that just like any good coach, that if you're out there and you're using your your resources and, and getting educated in positive ways that there's, it just does nothing for good, but good for you. Um, I've been very lucky in the last few years of getting involved in programs that are specific to female coaches. And I feel like that has just really helped me um, even have a broader understanding of not just how I want to have my like coaching philosophies, but um, impacting both male and female coaches. And there's not a lot out there for female coaches who coach males. Like there's very little. There's a lot more for female coaches coaching females, but coaching males is very, very hard to find. You don't have a whole lot of resources out there for that. <laughs> well, I was I was going to ask you a little bit about that because, you know, when you look around track, cross country, I mean, there is a smattering of, of female coaches, but it's very much, you know, I'm, I know across the country, but speaking more directly towards New Mexico, it is very much still male driven, you know, oh, like, yes. like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm coaching girls track and my head coach is a male as well, you know, mm-hmm. like. And it is funny though because our boys' head track coach is is a woman, like switched. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, we have we do some crossover as well. But it's not as um, you don't see quite as many. No, you you definitely don't across the board. Having females in that head coach position is not very prevalent, um, and especially for high profile programs right. across the board. Um, so it is. It's I I I like it. <laughs> um, I know nobody who knows you know who really knows me is not surprised that I take on those kind of more 
in traditional roles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, you know, there's definitely some very strong stereotypes still involved in coaching and, you know, not just in our state, but on, on a national level. And so I think that, you know, it's really important in my mind to have those connections with other female coaches who are doing this at a higher level, um, at the college level, at the elite level, and learning from them and their experiences uh, and from all of their wisdom. And, you know, I, I was thought it was really interesting that on the NCAA cross country championship, both the winner and the runner up were both coached by female coaches. So I was like, yeah. 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 BYU's coach. Um, I, I'm, blanking on her name but yeah she, me too I, i'm not good with the names but yeah, <laughs> yeah and nc state and nc yeah. state has a female coach too yeah right yeah and she's they've both done amazing and i i feel like the byu coach recently took over both programs as I well think, i believe so i think that is accurate which again is is pretty still pretty unique at, yes at that it level. is mm -hmm. so yeah i can i mean again like i i mean I, I want to do everything I can to build up, you know, the girls I coach and all that stuff. But it's completely different to have to be able to see a woman who's doing the who has done it and is now <laughs> yeah. coaching and, and knows the experiences better. Obviously, I mean, you've been through what most of them have been through in a, in a right. more real way. I mean, running's running, but, you know, there's obviously. <laughs> right, right. Because as we know, there's so much more to coaching than just the running part of it. And, you know, I. I, my, both of my daughters went through my program, my oldest one being a senior this year. And she was the one who got me involved in club coaching when she started at, I think she was maybe six or seven when she started club cross country <laughs> by all on her choice. Cause she used to follow <laughs> me out the door for a run and I would run around the block and bring her back home. And she was like, I want to keep going. So I was like, I got to find something for this kid to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, having both of my daughters go through that and, and having that experience of training such a wide range, you know, starting with her just helping out kind of as a parent coach when she was six or seven and all the little kids to, um, to, you know, 17, 18 year old kids now. And my older daughter who's running, you know, at UNLV, who's now 20 it's it's been very fun to have see that progression of athletes and not just my daughters but other kids who have coached through that kind of era and and seeing how they change and develop and grow as athletes is it's pretty phenomenal i like it yeah i can imagine like i coach or i don't coach i teach elementary and so it's been kind of cool for me because i i teach in sandia's district and so you know i've gotten to see a, you know a handful of kids who like hey i remember you and you know like starting to move up and mm -hmm. and just seeing how they you know a lot of them don't want to run because they you know i like i remember you playing on the playground and running like i don't do that anymore right. <laughs> yeah. but just seeing how they've kind of grown and matured it's it's a unique experience that i don't think a lot of people get to get to have so that's cool that you've you've been able to kind of have that within that coaching too mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty neat i like it been very lucky yeah <laughs> uh how was that transition you know you talked a little bit about the the learning transition as far as like 
with the different events and be more specific with, you know, block starts and this and that. What was it like as far as the paperwork transition from middle school to high school? <laughs> I think I'm still transitioning. <laughs> Every year, you know, there's there's some new form to hold on to or collect or check off or whatever. Yeah, the paperwork part of coaching is definitely, it's kind of like teaching, you know, nobody tells you about the part outside of the actual teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So very similar <laughs> to that. Um that there is a lot more with, obviously, yeah, there's just a lot more paperwork to keep track of. Um, and, you know, just, I think the same can be said as kids kind of get older and, and their lives become filled with outside of their immediate family um, or their, their just school and activities, you know, then they start including jobs and other responsibilities. So just managing that kind of stuff and, you know, being able to keep your expectations and your training levels high, but also not turning kids away and turning them off when they have these other things in their life that you want to also help them uh, foster a love of band, theater, (laughs) whatever the case may be. Um, so that part is definitely very different and can create some challenges. And I know just from talking to other coaches, not everybody does it the same. I don't know if there's a magic answer for how to <laughs> to balance all of it. But, you know, I think, again, it's just one of those you have to find what works best for your program and what you want and what you want to the message you want to help send to kids. So. I I do my best to work with all of them. My biggest thing is that it becomes a lesson of balance and communication, you know, knowing that balance of your life. And as you start pulling yourself in different directions, you're never going to have everything to give to one thing. And so, you know, you got to have that as part of your expectations as a coach and as them as athletes. Um, And then also understanding though, that there's just other things that sometimes become a little more important than than practice in their lives and right and but teaching them that communication for that is always going to be helpful and that people who really care about you will understand and work with you the best they can so that's been probably the biggest change in in balancing that from middle school to high school <laughs> when i did the challenge you know that transitions and and just seeing how athletes and honestly over time i've got to say that you know from when i started high school to now Uh, Maybe part of it is how much bigger the program has gotten over the years, um, or maybe just the way kids' lives are now, even in that short period of time, how they've changed, just having more of those kind of things to have to manage and and think about how you want to approach them in your program and as a coach, too. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's perfect. And that you, you said it multiple times, and I think it's just so true, that communication piece of it. Yeah. Like just that, that understanding of, you let me know and we can work something out. Right. But if you just don't show up, then that's, <laughs> that's where we have issues. <laughs> right. And you know, that's a good life lesson for them too. Exactly. Yeah. In, in, exactly. Cause you know, they're, you know, we want them to have that balance in when they get older and they're balancing their work and getting out and whether it's running or cycling or whatever they do to help them feel good good about themselves and get that break (laughs) yes exactly yeah (laughs) 
And what was that transition like as far as teaching moving up from middle school to high school? <laughs> so I, when I was at middle school, I, I ran the gamut. I, ran, I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and I teach uh, social studies. The majority, and I wasn't at middle school for very long, but the majority of time I was at middle school, I taught sixth graders. I loved it. Some people talk about how like they did not like middle school. I loved it. <laughs> it was great. The topic is entertaining for sixth grade social studies. It's ancient civilization. So you're teaching about Rome and Greece and China. It, the topic is great. And the kids are like, they're just, you know, you're like their hero. <laughs> and, you know, we did such cool activities with like cave paintings and made stained glass windows. We built Roman arches. And, you know, it, it, that was, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I didn't think I was ever going to like teaching middle school. When I was in college, I focused on U.S. history. I was like, I'm going to teach high school. And then, you know, there were no high school jobs to take at that time. <laughs> Back when social studies was a hard a teaching gig to get. <laughs> so I was at, got that gig teaching middle school. I was like, oh, middle school. And then I was like, this is the best. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and so when I moved over to the high school level, um, it was, you know, it, it's a different set of, you know, rules and expectations and just behaviors. Um, but I, I again, I, I had wanted to teach high school, so I loved it. I think that like teaching juniors and seniors is the coolest thing ever. I really do. Um, you know, the types of conversations that they have about whatever the topics you're teaching them are, it's, it's fun to see them progress into so maybe they didn't care about any of these things because, you know, who cares about civics that happened, you know, 200 <laughs> years ago, bah, not interesting at all, to becoming maybe a little more engaged in an active citizen and thinking about their futures and, and how these things actually impact them. So I, I love it. I, I think that high schoolers are like just some of the neatest kids. And usually when, you know, as you probably hear, when people ask you what grade you teach, they're probably like, you teach little kids? Right. That's wild. <laughs> I get the same thing. Like, you teach high schoolers? Aren't they crazy? Aren't they terrible? I'm like, no, actually, they're not. They're quite wonderful, actually. Um, high schoolers are really, really cool and entertaining and hilarious. And I, I love it. I, I mean, this is your 18. I've been teaching for 18 years. Wow. Yeah, don't do the math on how old I am. <laughs> and I still adore it. Even as crazy as the year has been and last year, I, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. I still love it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so, I mean, there's such a high burnout rate, rate in teaching. Oh, yeah. You know? So to to have that, and every, I mean, obviously every day is not going to be that exciting, but <laughs> to, to have that overall love of it is, is great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I do. I usually get asked if once people find out if I'm a coach, I get the jokes of like, are you a PE teacher? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, no. And they're like, let me guess you're a history teacher. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of fit that in general stereotype. <laughs> so uh, I, I've, I've been, uh, my I've been kind of talking about with several people, my friends know, like I I want to move up to the high school level. It's just so much easier to with the recruiting and being there mm -hmm. with the kids. And 
Oh, like oh it makes uniforms. a big difference. <laughs> yeah. It makes a big difference. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my, my friends sent me a TikTok, and it said, oh, I'm getting that, uh, that male. Oh God. I, I, I'm going to can't remember it word for word, but you know, I'm, I'm getting that, that male urge of becoming a social studies teacher and coaching something. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. there's yeah I, I i see those tiktoks too of like you know obviously they just making fun of the like the history teacher who like rolls in the movie yeah <laughs> i'm like well i'm not that one but I yeah do, i do coach and teach history sorry yeah <laughs> and and i am endorsed in pe so technically i could teach pe there you go <laughs> So yeah, I, I do fit that stereotype. Part. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you talked about the kids, like, oh, who would find this stuff interesting? But how did you end up finding it interesting that you went into history? <laughs> um, well, I actually was. Uh, my original plan was to become a nurse, and then I started sitting in on history classes um, as electives probably because there was a cute boy involved. I don't know. <laughs> Something very 18-year-old like that, 19-year-old, yeah. however it was when I was in freshman in college there. Um, and my classes at UNM, I got to say, like the history classes were phenomenal. And as I became more and more interested in those history classes, I was like, oh, maybe I should do something with this. And, you know, as they say, when you get a history degree, you either teach or you become a lawyer. Right. <laughs> so... I became a teacher. And at the time when um, I, you know, I had had my first daughter when I was still in college. So she was a little girl. And I was like, well, you know, if I become a teacher, obviously the schedule is phenomenal when you have kids, works out well. Yep. And so I was like, and I, and I enjoyed it and I liked it. And I have a lot of teachers in my family. So I thought that would be fun. And I, I do. I, I think it's the best. I love it. So that's that's how I got into it is the history classes at UNM. They they pulled me in. <laughs> it, it, it's it like is story time, you know? Every day is story time in history class. <laughs> uh it is interesting how like teaching can can be a very family thing. Like if you've got mm -hmm. a like there gonna be a lot of people in your family that are teachers and then it just kind of continues to trickle down. Yep. My family is yeah. the same way. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting the way that happens. And like I said, I didn't have intentions of it, but yep, sure enough, it ended up just kind of being that that's what happened. So yeah, it's a good fit though. I like it. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I can hear it, like I said, which is, yeah. which is awesome. I mean, that's, that's what we need is teachers who are, who are still enjoying it and still loving it. Cause it, like I said, it's just so easy to get burnt out from. Yeah every level I, I mean i've seen it with elementary teachers i've worked with oh yeah high school teachers i know like middle it's 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 easy yep yeah it's it's pretty bad right now with teacher burnout across the board but yeah if you're still doing it and you still love it then i think the kids are very lucky to have teachers like that yeah so but yeah come on up to the high school level it's fun <laughs> I've heard it's so much easier. <laughs> I, you know, for PE, I have friends who have told me that is true. 
So that's interesting because you said you do PE, right? No, I do. I do. I do third grade. I just oh, okay. Because I yeah, I was like, as I have friends who taught PE in elementary school, and they say at high school it's so much easier. So you do third grade. Well, yeah. you know, I've heard a lot. It's because it's it's the uh, you know instead of planning every day for like yeah. every subject, you're like pretty much focused on one, and then yeah, the content focus is easier probably than doing yeah. all of that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm third excited. Third grade is great though. I mean, I, I remember my third grade teacher, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> that's, Quayle. That's awesome. That's, and that's why I picked third, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Amai was, oh, she would just, she was amazing. Yeah. See, I told you, I remember my Mr. Quayle, he used to give us little gummy bears whenever we got like correct answers, you know, and he'd toss <laughs> us little gummy bears. And I still remember that. So see, that's third grade. That's cool. I, I love it. I mean, the content in third grade is great and they're just, they're fun and they're funny and they're goofy and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but for the coaching aspect, I mean, I want to do high school. Like I, I yeah. think it would be fun to do high school too. Like you talked about, like the conversations, the conversations I get to have with, with the kids I coach is fun and being there like, I'm excited and I think I'm excited for the change too. Yeah. I've been at third grade for eight, eight, 10 years. Oh yeah. That's a decent amount of time. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's time. It's also time for that change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent seven years at middle school and like I said, I loved it, but that change was, it was good. It was, it was time for a change and um, I've taught, 11th grade for most of high school. And I recently switched up to, to seniors, which, you know, it's still different. Um, right. and, but yeah, it's always nice to kind of mix it up a little bit and change it how you're doing things. But yeah, the coaching aspect, I was actually going to ask you that, like, man, if teaching at an elementary school and coaching high school, like, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> Cause I mean, that's one of all, always our challenges, especially with track and fields is like, who can come to practice by three o'clock on the West side of Albuquerque, Monday through Friday right. is free and it's hard to find people who are available to do that. Yeah. No, I mean, my, like I said, I mean, my elementary school feeds into Sandia. So I'm literally, it's a mile away. Oh, wow. That's, that's helpful. So it doesn't take me long. It's more like, and it's just a straight down, a straight shot down Candelaria. It's more mm -hmm. of just dealing through the traffic <laughs> to get there yeah. more than anything. Okay. Yeah. I could probably run down there faster. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but um, you know, luckily I have some some great assistant coaches and then during track when I'm the assistant, the head coach gets everybody started and then yep. so I get there by three fifteen and it works out. Yeah. Yeah, having you know the few coaches we do have who are off campus, like, yeah, I know those those yeah. challenges or struggles are there for sure. Exactly. So Oh, so let's talk about this season since it was pretty exciting. <laughs> so let's let's go back to the crazy track season. Let's oh, start. Gosh, yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, wow. so last track season? Yeah. We, so, we had three teams over a community yep. at a time. In the heat of the heat of the day. In the heat of the day and having to wear masks outside. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Good times. 
Uh, what um, what were your track numbers like then? They were they were low. Um, they were pretty low, either from kids who just did not want to deal with masks. Yeah, you know the whole politicized aspect of masks or whatever. Right. Um, didn't want to deal with that. You know, the if you remember having to train in pods for a while. Right. I don't even remember if we still had that when we got to track season. No, track it had pretty much gone, I think. That's right. We had it for cross, but not for for track. Um, But when we had started some preseason stuff, there was still pods early on. So we had like sign up for what time period (laughs) the group was. And like we had these like staggered out chunks of. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of team unity because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're stay apart. Stay far apart. You go like distance doesn't interact with anybody. And right. <laughs> and it, as you probably know, like on a track team, it's already kind of hard to foster that because, mm-hmm. you know, you do have so many people in different places. And so last spring, it was very purposely stay away from each right. other. Um, and in our track program, we actually utilize our indoor space a lot. I'm a big believer in being in the weight room um, and doing yoga and all these other indoor kind of stuff and we just did not want to deal with being inside because there was like the whole like cleaning anything you touch so you're like just so our training across the board was different obviously our numbers were down then having track season go through june there were kids that were like we're we're leaving or you know like the seniors that were like i graduated six weeks ago like i'm done yeah Mentally, physically, all of Everything, it. Everything, yeah. So it was rough. And then going to track meets where, I mean, I don't remember who's three or four teams because a lot of times programs didn't have full teams. Right, especially on the girls' side. Especially on the girls' side. So, you know, you're running against a clock. Yeah. And these kids are definitely not that high caliber of an athlete to understand racing a clock. I mean, that's even elite athletes struggle with that. Um so it was rough, yeah. you know, and in my brain, I was like, if I, if we get through this season and just kind of like teaching, I was like, and I don't want to leave this, that's going to say a lot about how much I truly love doing it. And yeah, it, it, I was, I still loved it. And it was one of those, like, just, I, I was thinking just how to survive the year and be their best for kids mm-hmm. and make their experience the best I possibly could. And not be too negative and not be focused on all the rough things that we were going through and, and you know, all the weekly changes and the kids being, ah, you know, freaking out over the new rules and you can do this and you can't do that, but you can touch this and you can't touch that. And just like, that was, my, you know, that was my kind of my goal for the season was like, just provide happiness, yeah. provide positivity, uh, provide opportunities for these kids to not be at home staring at their Google meet screens and interacting with one another the best ways they can. So I think we were successful in that. Um, but you know, on the track, it wasn't like we were unsuccessful, but it just definitely was a very different approach to the season across the board. Right. And as you know, APS had very different rules than the rest of the state did too. Yeah. So that was, that provided an extra layer of challenges because of course they see outside of the Metro area things happening and, Mm-hmm. Kind of sometimes got them a little bummed. So, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely dealt with that too. Right. And then, like you said, I mean, the, the, just the whole season going into really, I mean, the last week of June, one, some kids just not finishing. And then two, mm -hmm. like, that's, that's when we're usually starting our cross country preseason. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. June is my, uh, my three weeks of freedom. Yeah. I think, you know, the end of May, beginning of June is kind of like when I, the only time I'm not really thinking about coaching and, you know, in the forefront of my mind. And I was like, well, not this year. There'll, there'll be no break. Right. <laughs> and I was concerned about that actually going into this cross country season for not just me, but the kids, you know, yeah. the ones who did stick with cross thinking there would be a fall season having it canceled the on the off the on the off then getting that very very short season in the spring then rolling into track and the ones who went all the way through through the end of june and then going okay wow we just we gotta turn around and kind of get going right away and you know i, I was very concerned about health injuries you know overuse just burnout whatever the case may be i i was concerned and i had to think about how I was going to approach that for this cross season. And it did pop up. We had a few kids who I knew maybe burnt out during the season that maybe they wouldn't have, if that's not what have they would have gone through last year, um, especially then having to think about rebuilding too, you know, the, that right. aspect of having very few of them having gone through my program, which I spend a lot of time and energy really trying to develop the team feeling of a family and that wasn't there during the 2021 20, season for yeah. cross country i'm like i don't know what to call that one it was yeah <laughs> the COVID season and the COVID season there, there you go the COVID season yeah no that was weird that was uh like you said i mean yeah because there was no you know, I joke with the kids and the families every time at the banquets. I'm like, sometimes I feel like I see your kids more than you do to the parents because I'll see them all through cross country and then mm -hmm. all through track and in the summer. Like, you know, we get very few breaks where we're not, you know, physically around each other. And, you know, that previous season was just not. And right. having to actually like, before the first cross country meet actually having to like oh wait a lot of you don't know what the start of a cross country race is like yep it's kind of big we're going to kind of simulate that because i don't want you freaking out <laughs> right yeah it 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 did present those challenges to this season um whether you know you had the new kids who normally get a little bit of those um introductions to like what does the cross country meet might look like or whatever from older kids but then your older kids didn't have necessarily have that right you know so it was even over the course of the summer and the summer training we did you know because we were so touch and go last summer with should we start training should we not picking it up being in those pods um having you know don't don't stretch, go over there and do it over there. Don't be a whole group and coming back together and be like, no, 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 we actually sit together and 
we talk about these things and, mm-hmm. you know, even my boys and girls who usually are very fluid with each other this year, even they were still very separated. I was like, you guys can talk and you can yeah. sit by each other. And they're like, I think we just got used to not being allowed to even practice with them. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, let's try to change that and go back to when we were all one big happy family. Right. So yeah, it's, it was that, yeah, like you said, and then the first meet of the year being like, oh yeah, you guys don't know like pre-race routine and what that's going to look like when the gun goes off. We should probably practice that again. Yeah. Yeah, I had a luckily, yeah, that a couple of seniors who were like, okay, I know you guys have been through this. It's been a while. I got to be running around, you know, yelling at these, these guys who are already running, please help them warm up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, and you know, that was part of this team this year is we had really good team leaders. We really did. Um, our seniors that stepped up to the plate were just on both boys and girls side were just phenomenal team leaders to the younger kids. And it made a huge difference for us. Yeah. That's great. You know, at the beginning of the season, um, miles split did their, you know, whole kind of ranking things and, and there's only so much you can really go off of. And I just, you can use it for motivation or ignore it and whatever, but you know, your boys were ranked pretty high there. Yep. Um, they were in the top five. I can't remember exactly. Um, and and throughout the season, they ran really well. After everything that happened last year, did you have an idea that they were going to be in such a good position? Um. So in 2019, the boys took second. Right. And... That was not unexpected, but they definitely performed well at the state meet, maybe a little better than we had planned out. So the following year with the COVID season, we had two of those key runners who just didn't run. One moved out of state and the other one was just, you know, just didn't run at all. So our boys that we took to the COVID state meet, there were some there that were part of that core group from the the year before in 2019 that had taken second, but we were actually kind of missing some. So when we went into this upcoming season, I knew where our depth was. And I, you know, you you never want to say like, I knew we could win, but I knew we were going to be up there and we knew we were going to be in in the fight. We also gained some younger kids who didn't even run in the COVID um, state meet because they only ran five that I knew were pretty decent. Um, and then we got one of those kids back who had sat out, Aiden Davis. He came back to running and he had during the track season prior. So I knew that if we could keep them mentally strong and physically in great shape that they would stand a chance to be somewhere on the podium. And I knew that they had the potential to win, but as you know, in cross, just like anything, but with cross country more, you never know what's going to show up on that day and you get a whole, you know, 17 minutes to make it happen. Right. (laughs) You know, unlike some other sports where someone's having a bad day, you can pull them out mid game. We don't have that option. You know, you just, you just line up and, Who's ever out of those seven having the best day is the way it's going to go. So 
we also had um, a young man who came to Volcano and he's a junior, Thomas Corshaw. So he was kind of like a surprise, like one of those like happy surprises. Like, all right, yeah, Ooh, yay. So we got him. But, you know, those seniors of, of Noel and Lucas and Aiden, knowing that what they had done when they were um, freshmen, I, I had a feeling that they could definitely pull it off. And then as we got more depth from the younger kids to kind of fill in some of those holes, I I knew that they could handle some business. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they they ran, I mean, throughout the year, their pack time was phenomenal. I mean, I think a, a lot of the races, they were within like 40 seconds of each other. You yes. Know, which is yeah. not, I mean... You almost can't coach that to an extent. Like it is just, it's it's hard. I mean, that's that was to to watching that was fantastic. Yeah, you know, I think part of that was that they are a pretty tight knit group across the board, um, and they have a healthy competitiveness within each other. So that pack time is, yeah, it was one of those that we saw kind of just in the summer developing when they would be running and you know me and the assistant coaches kind of nudging each other going keep keep an eye on that <laughs> wink wink let's keep fostering that and as the season progressed you know we rarely run everybody out of our in our top boys um and girls rarely do we run the whole group um, we often will sit people for various reasons and so we were kind of playing with different, you know, running racing groups and, and seeing what was what, but it was pretty evident that there were a lot of different combinations that uh, proved to be pretty successful. And so then when we got to the pre-state meet, I think there was only one of those state boys that didn't run that race and seeing how they were able to, to kind of, again, pull off the game plan that we gave them for each race. And I think that was another part of it is that those boys were very coachable. Um, and that's, you know, we always talk about athletes and, and their ability to be coachable. And these boys were very, very open and, and receptive to the ideas that we had for their training and, and, and racing strategies. And I really appreciate that because, you know, sometimes you get people who kind of maybe push back a little bit. They're like, are you sure about that? And, and these boys kind of were like, sure, yeah, let's go. Let's try, give it a shot. And I think that was another key to their success was being so coachable as a whole group. That's that's fantastic. And so what did it feel like? You know, you talked about the second place trophy. What did it feel like to to get that first place trophy? I mean, it's not all about the trophies, but it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not all about the trophies. But I think the thing about the trophies is that you really have that opportunities for those kids to feel even more proud of all the hard work that they've done, right? And so, yeah, when when they when they were coming back from the coming down off of the course, and I was seeing where they were at, I wasn't exactly sure if that was getting handled quite yet you know i'm all i'm very cautious like i'm i'm one of those that like i i try to count where 
you know, the kids are coming in and the placements and doing quick math, but I'm always very cautious. So in my brain, I said, well, we definitely are on the podium. I can say that with confidence, yeah. but I don't want to say where we're at. So when I got to the finish line and I'm seeing those, those results come in and, you know, they kind of keep changing and everything else. Um, it, it almost like was a little surreal and it took a while for it to sink in that that was actually what had happened, that they had won. And it was, yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice feeling. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> you know, as I told you, the, you know, they've taken some second places. We've had some third places. Always super proud of my team. I always am elated to celebrate any trophy you get at a state meet. But yeah, that it was it was like, oh my gosh, we, we did it. You know, we, we, we hit that exact goal that we had wanted. And, you know, the week before district, they, they had one district and I was like, well, you know, people are going to come after you. I can tell you that. And, and, um, you know, I was a little worried that maybe they wouldn't respond well to pressures and stuff like that, but, but they did. And it was, yeah, it was a little bit of a shock. It, it took me a while. It kind of felt like I was in the cloud in a dream for a few minutes there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you get out of that shock, obviously. You got to go coach the girls. Yes. And, you know, you said that you had, you know, you had a good feeling of the boys. You knew where Mm -hmm. they were at. But then the girls came out and (laughs) they won as well. I mean, (laughs) was you said like it was surreal to watch that the everything come up for the boys. I mean, how did it then feel on the girls' side? That one was even more. Um, so, twenty nineteen, same thing with the boys. We took home a, a red trophy for the girls, um, and that was a year that we actually lost some pretty phenomenal seniors, including my older daughter and Lila and Isabella, and then another Isabella. So we had two Isabellas and Lila's, our, our key seniors there. And then, you know, we went into the COVID cross country. Uh, I mean, I only had like five girls running total. Like it was, it was low. It was really low. And I know talking to other programs across the board, girls programs were hit with numbers even more than the boys programs. So much more is crazy. Yeah, so much more. And same thing during, you know, the COVID track season, we saw how small girls teams were. Um, and so coming into the the season, you know, that mile split ranking, (laughs) the girls were not even on anybody's radar. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't even take a team to the state meet. We had two girls run. One of them was a senior. She was gone. So there was in their minds, one returner. Um, and so I, I, it it's, I'm used to being in a place where people don't have any expectations of your team. <laughs> like that's, that's actually more of my, I'm more of like, Oh, we're the dark horse. No one even knows we're coming. We're fine. That's actually easier in some ways to deal with than Oh my gosh, we're first and everyone expects us to be first. But the, the girls, Oh my gosh, they're hilarious. Um, you know, when those, those, when we weren't on the mile split rankings and then, you know, the journal did their, their preview or whatever too. And one of my seniors girls goes, they're all going to regret sleeping on us. And I looked at her, I said, whoa, okay, okay. She's like, they don't even know. I was like, well, let's see what we can do then. Um, and so we went to the scrimmage 
um, our Team Scrimmage at Academy, which we do every year. We're lucky that Academy uh, invites us to go to their scrimmage and, and run with them. So we do our scrimmage at the Academy. And that was the first time I really saw our girls, you know, race. And, um, you know, I have the freshman, Carissa, who's just, she's a very strong runner. And she's a very strong trainer. Um, but she's a, she is a freshman, you know, so, you know, you never know kind right. of how a freshman might respond to certain things. And she has a sister who's a junior who had run track, but this was the first time she's running cross. And then I had some seniors in Aileen Romero, who we call Blue, um, and Angela Court. And when we ran at the scrimmage, I was like, oh, all right, we're pretty, we're doing pretty all right. Um, and they did pretty good throughout the whole season in, in our invites we went to, but their progression um, to the district meet, to the pre-state academy meet and district meet, like they just, like every week, it was like, boom, massive improvements in, in not just their pack times, but how they were running, how they were training. And when they, when we got third at the pre-state meet, they were like, oh, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, you, again, our district's tough. Getting on the podium in 5A is always tough. I said, I could see us getting anywhere from fourth to second place. And I would be proud of any of those. And they were like, yeah, definitely. I, I, we agree coach. Like, let's just try to get a, let's try to get a trophy. Let's make that our goal. And I said, absolutely. Let's try to get a trophy. That that's a great season if we can get a trophy. So then at the district meet, three Rancho girls, um, won, but we only lost by one point. Wow. I didn't realize it was that close. It was one point. And I, you know, again, I, I don't ever get salty about stuff like that, but I saw the look in my girl's face, you know, cause they always celebrate everything, but, and they, you know, they got their second place trophy and they're like, yay, very proud of themselves. And then they announced the points and they realized that they lost by one point and they just was like a shift happened. And I kind of looked at them and I was like, what's, what's going on? They're like, we'll talk about it Monday. I was like, okay. So we're at practice on Monday and they're like, no, no, we're not losing by one point. And I said, well, you know, the state meet's going to not be within one point. And they're like, we're not losing and we're not losing by one point. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I see what you ladies are doing here. But again, you know, Rio Rancho is a great program. We, you know, there's programs across the board in 5A. It's not easy. No. Um, and so when that popped up and then it kind of paused and then, you know, they kind of had the switch and scores for the third place. And right. in my brain, I was like, oh, no, don't please don't change anything else. But that one was, it was even more of a shock to the, to my to my system and um, not that it didn't think that it could happen, but just that it did. Right. And while they were finishing again, watching them finish it, what in my brain was not maybe as evident that they had won. And maybe just cause I hadn't had it on my radar to think that they might be in that position, but I definitely knew we were in great position. Um, but yeah, when it came up and it flashed on that board, I had that moment of like, Oh my goodness, what did we just do? <laughs> What did these ladies just do? And it was, it was pretty phenomenal. That's awesome. And, and again, like you talked about your district and it's just <laughs> a Rio Rancho, Cleveland, 
I I was chatting with the Piedra Vista coach at um, on the line right before the girls went off, and mm-hmm. he was just like, "I am glad that I'm no longer in that district." <laughs> I don't blame him. I mean, <laughs> again, I mean, in both the girls and the boys, it was Volcano, yep. Rio Rancho, Cleveland. Cleveland. Yep. Yep. It's pretty amazing the way that works out. And it is probably not only one of the only sports, but one of the only districts where taking third place in district, you're like, oh my gosh, I did great. And then follow right. that up with a state trophy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where else that would happen. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's a running district for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It I mean, is. they're, I think all three of your schools are good at a lot of things, but yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that, cross country is just a meat grinder (laughs) it is it really is (laughs) um but you know i i I think that's a great place to kind of wrap up i think that that's fantastic i think it's again congratulations on a fantastic year and a normal year and (laughs) yes more than anything else a normal year um and and now you get to get a little bit of time before you start thinking about track (laughs) that's funny you should say that we just had our you know coaches meeting for track (laughs) i figured yeah already shifted gears yeah we're Uh, we're in the same spot so (laughs) yeah well and congratulations i watched steven run at nike this weekend thank you oh my gosh that was that race was crazy and i think you know most of our kids got that course over 3.1 just fyi Oh, really? Yeah. All, all their watches were over 3-1. Interesting. Just a little bit, but, you know, yeah. it makes a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Well, that's, so. yeah, he, um, I, I wasn't able to be there, but, yeah, he told me, and I heard that he tripped and kind of did a somersault at the beginning mm-hmm. and it kind of messed with him. But he's a junior. He's got time. Let him get hungry. Yep. There you go. But, yeah, it was fun to watch all the New Mexico kids race, for sure. I know. God, I wish I would have been there to see that because... It's just, it's fun to see them compete at that level because it's such a different, um, it's so different than what we get to see here in New Mexico. Oh yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that it's next level running. And that's, you know, my kids always laugh at me because I tell them, I'm glad we're New Mexico good, but now we need to be regional good. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, you'll see. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, (laughs) I am, I'm super impressed with, you know, with Rendon from Hope. Oh yeah. Placing third. Yeah. That's just, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And you know what I really appreciated there was he got gutsy and he went after it and it was pretty amazing to watch him because he was leading for a little bit and I was like, oh, he's not afraid to get after it. Good for him. That's good. You got to take that risk. So yeah. And and he's another another junior come mm-hmm. back next year. So that'll be it'll be fun to see what he does next year. Yep. Absolutely. So, I have one more question for you. Okay. And that is just what are you listening to to get you out for your runs or get you pumped <laughs> to go cheer on or yell at your kids? <laughs> oh wow. Um, so it's very dependent on my moods. <laughs> People when they see my playlist are like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it ranges anywhere from, uh, honestly, Taylor Swift, lover, God, <laughs> my soul. But usually when it's race day, um, <laughs> I go more the route of like dance music. 
Really? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> my older daughter is huge into EDC music. Like she goes <laughs> to all the festivals. I think like, I don't know how many different festivals out in Vegas she's already been to and all the different DJs and everything else. And I laugh and then I think, yeah, she got that from me. <laughs> and while I'm not as, you know, quite as young anymore, but some of those old school DJs, like the, she says like the originals, like the OGs. And I'm like, okay, that just makes me sound old. <laughs> but still phenomenal. So like a VJ and, and Calvin Harris and David Guetta, like love it. And then I'll throw in some like Kid Cudi and stuff like that. So nice. yeah, that's, that's my hype music. <laughs> But then I guess I, I can also go the way of like listening to Mumford and Sons. Yeah. <laughs> Weezer. It's, uh, I'm all over the board. That's awesome. I like that. Though. I like when people are varied because it's fun. Like I, that's yeah. how I am too. Yeah. I'm, it's yeah. I, I Kid Cudi is somebody I'll throw on just like, yeah. That means, it gets you pumped up. It does. I enjoy it. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. <laughs> This has been a whole lot of fun. Like, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having this conversation. Like, I'm glad I got to, you know, obviously I see you out there and we talk here and there, but being mm -hmm. able to like get to know you more is, is fun and being able to celebrate your team teams, this cross country is, is pretty awesome. So thank you again. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's wonderful. You know, anything we can do to promote and encourage and make New Mexico stronger with runners and all this stuff and things, I'm happy to do it. And I'm so glad that you're doing this for running in New Mexico. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time. And thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.